All right. Well, thank you, uh, everybody, and especially Andrew. Man, this is, Andrew, this is a big day today with uh, Riley playing bass and the baptism. That's awesome. So happy Mother's Day. Grab your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be looking there in just a moment. I think it was John Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart, a number of years ago, that, that really piqued my interest, to, it, it, at least in one aspect, or uh, of the, the difference between men and women, and there's a, uh, obviously a lot of differences, uh, maybe contrary to what our culture says, but there are. Uh, but, but he observed that, that men love adventure, and, and they, they like the, the uh, you know, they, they like the adventure, they, they like to win, they like to experience victory. Uh, men like the battle. And he also observed that, that women like safety and security. And that's not to say that, that men don't like safety and, and women don't like adventure. But he just said, you know, just as a general rule, men like adventure, women like security and safety. Now, ladies, before you stone me, think about this. That's why guys drive these big old trucks. I mean, that's why, you know, they got to step up this high to get in a truck. Uh, that's why your husband, and I won't miss any names, has got to have a motorcycle. Why? Because he likes adventure. Okay. It's why you drive an SUV or a minivan, most of you, okay? Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. It's, it, it, no, that's not to say, again, ladies, you don't like adventure, but, but you like safety and, and, and you like security and guys like the battle and they like to win and they like to fight and, and do all those things. I mean, I mean, women, you just err on the side of safety. I mean, think about this. You go down to, you go down to Cypress Creek and, and, uh, and your, your, your nine-year-old climbs up in a tree and he's 10 or 12, 15 feet up above the water and you're going, no, no, Johnny, get down. Don't you, you can't jump. Don't you dare. And you look over at your husband and you say, you make him get down. And your husband says, boy's got to learn. Jump. <laughs> right? You're just different. It's not bad. It's just the way God makes us. And so women love security, men love adventure. And, and so, so today we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture that I think, even though it's not a, a Mother's Day scripture, it points to something that's extremely important because moms, what I know is, is you're interested in the safety and security of your kids. That's why you, you put your baby in these small SUVs called strollers. I mean, you've seen the strollers nowadays? <laughs> I, you know, they got, they got, they got double wheels now on each side, right? That's why we got, you know, the, you got a baby crib and the bumpers on the side are that thick. Unless little Johnny bump into the edge of the crib, right? Or, or you buckle them in so you can drive across the parking lot. You just gotta be safe. So, so we're really, and not just women, but we're conscious about the physical safety of our kids. But here's a question. How much do you think about the eternal Safety of your little ones. I mean, how, how much do we really think about? It? I mean, I mean, imagine this: when, when when little Johnny was born or little Judy was born, you take little Johnny in your hand, mom or dad, and and particularly the dad, he takes little Johnny. And we won't use the name Johnny because that's not going to get. But but uh, you take little George in your hand, and you go, George, you're going to grow up and you're going to be a quarterback, and man, the Cowboys really need you. I can't wait, right? And you're just hopeful. Or you take little Judy and you go, baby, you're going to grow up and you're going to be the best shopper ever. <laughs> you're going to design the best shoes you know, or whatever. So, so we think about, we dream about what they're going to grow up to be. But have you ever taken that little one in your hand? Or have you ever looked at your little one? Or have you ever looked at your big one? 
in thought, Johnny, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Why do we never think about that? We think about what we want them to grow up to be. We spend our life preparing them to be successful by the world's standards. But how often do we look at them and go, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And, and am I doing now? Are we doing now what we need to be doing to give them the best chance to be ready then? That's a, that's a compelling question. And this morning I want to look at uh, a passage of Scripture. Again, it's not a Mother's Day passage, but it's got a Mother's Day message. So look with me. We're going to look at two verses. I think one comes up on the screen. Hebrews 11. Let's start with verse 6, just kind of so you'll get the sense. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And then listen, so that's the faith. That's what it is. You've got to believe that God will reward those who draw near. By faith, Noah... Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray together. Father, as we take uh, these next few minutes and as we look at this word, at this one verse, God, I believe there's a message for us today. And Lord, I want it to be a message that encourages. God, I believe you want it to be a message that challenges. And God, in some ways, may it be a message that convicts us so that we will, so that we will think about not just this life when it comes to our family, but we'll think about the next life. So Father, I pray that you would again open our hearts to your word. God, I pray for, for everybody here, not just the moms and not even just the dads, not just the parents, but all of us that would be sensitive to the Lord Jesus who gives life in his name. So have your way in our heart and we'll be careful, Jesus, to give you the glory for we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I understand, uh, you know, we, we don't always think about Noah and Mother's Day in the same sentence, though I did read this week. Or, 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 or have read before in some of the bloopers about Noah's wife, uh, you know, what the name of Noah's wife was. And, and the, in the blooper, they suggested that his wife's name was Joan of Arc. Okay. Now, I, I don't know what Miss Noah's name was. Maybe she was Miss Noah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure she wasn't Joan of the Ark. I'm pretty confident that wasn't it. But, you know, she had to be quite a remarkable lady. I mean, think, I mean we don't, she's never mentioned. She's never referenced or referred to. But, it, but ladies, just think about this. What if you come, just think about this. Your husband comes home, he's 500 years old, okay? He's 500 years old. Imagine that. Now, you may think he's getting older and you may think he's a few years older. But Noah comes home, he's 500. And he says, baby, you're never going to believe what happened. I met God today. I met with God today. And God said, Noah, it's going to rain. And Mrs. Noah goes, what's that? <laughs> Cause, cause it happened. And he goes in and he goes in and he, and he begins to tell her. And so for the next hundred or so years, give or take, you know, some people say 120, some people say 60 to 80, but for the next bunch of decades, Noah's building this ship. Heeding a warning he'd never, about something he's never seen. And, and here's what we know about Miss Noah. She stuck with him through thick and thin. 
She was faithful. And so, so even though we don't know anything about her, we know she was quite a remarkable lady. And Noah was quite a remarkable man. I mean, by faith, it says, he being warned by God about something, some events that, that had never been before. I mean, he didn't know what it meant to rain, what, what, what it was meant when God said rain, because what they tell us is it hadn't rained yet. He'd never probably seen lightning, probably never heard thunder. And, and yet he responded to God. And so Noah was a man of great faith. Now, now here's the thing before we kind of get into the, the, the practical aspect. Here's what you need to understand. Uh, Noah was not saved because he built an ark. Noah built an ark because he was already saved and he was a man of faith. Uh, understand this, and here's kind of the principle, if I, can, if I can find it. Noah acted in faith because he was in the faith. Let me say that again. Noah acted in faith because he was already in the faith. He didn't, he didn't act in order to, to be saved. Because he was saved, he acted. Now you say, well, Mike, how do you know? Well, the Bible tells us, we won't go there, but the Bible tells us in Genesis 6 verse 8 that Noah found favor with the Lord. In fact, it says in verse 9, the last part of Genesis 6, 9, that Noah walked with God. Now, that's also said about Enoch, and, and we'll look at Enoch next week probably. Uh, Enoch walked with God and he was taken. We know that Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. And, and so we know that, Gen- uh, that, that from Genesis that Noah had this great relationship with God. He had faith. In fact, the last part of our verse tells us that, that he secured his inheritance because of the righteousness of his faith. So, so just understand, he's not saved by works. His faith didn't come from works, but because he had faith, he went to work. And so that's kind of the premise that we need to to wrap our minds around. And so uh, at the end of the day, Noah had this life-altering, game-changing faith. And because he did, it moved him to action. And I would say to us as moms and dads and and parents and and the people of God, when we possess a life-altering, game-changing faith... It moves us to action. See, faith works. If your faith is real, then your faith works. And Noah's faith put him into action. And and what did he do? Well, he built this ark. But what's intriguing to me, and this is where I think the message resonates for us today. Why did Noah build an ark? I don't know if you noticed that, but when you read that text, it, it, it gives us the reason. It says, in reverent fear, he, consu- he constructed an ark for what? For the saving of his family. I doubt Noah ever took Shem, Ham, or Japheth and put him in his hands and, and thought, this boy's going to live forever. Or at least he probably didn't say that. But he knew that they were going to live forever. They were going to exist forever. And so, so he invested in their faith. He got busy. Well, what did he do? Let me give you three practical things and, and, and I'm going to speak from the idea of parenting, and I'm going to talk about... I believe uh, there's a lot of things we can say about Noah. I believe uh, primarily, at least for the sake of our discussion this morning, Noah was a wise parent. 
He was a wise parent because he did everything he could to get his sons in the boat. And I believe a wise parent, a wise mom, a wise dad does whatever they can to get their kids in the ark of safety. And that's what he did. So what did he do? Let me give you three practical things. First of all, wise parents, wise parents are sensitive to God's warning. Notice it says in the beginning of that verse, by faith, Noah being warned by God. In other words, in other words, he was sensitive to God. Now we don't know how he heard from God. There was no Bible to read. We do know that. It does tell us that he walked with God. And, we, and I don't know if God spoke to him face to face. But God warned Noah. Noah heard from God. And when he heard from God, he heeded the warning. In other words, uh, he, was, he was wise enough to be sensitive because God spoke clearly. God spoke compassionately. And God spoke compellingly to Noah. And he had a, a, a crisis of belief. There was a moment when, when God told him to do something. Did he have, did, did he never seen? He'd never seen what was coming. And God said, but I want you to do something. And so he was sensitive to God's voice. I, I'd almost say it this way. He was sensitive to God's warning and he acted. And so this morning I want to just challenge us as parents. Are, are we sensitive to God's warnings? Because the scripture, while God gave Noah a warning of what was to come, the scripture gives us Warning about a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of warnings in Scripture, and we won't go into all those. But I believe there's one that's germane to our discussion, or at least what we've talked about. God warned Noah and said, Noah, judgment's coming. You need to get ready, and you need to get your family ready. Did you know the Bible tells us that judgment is coming? We don't often think about it, but, but listen, if you turn back to couple books to the book of Ephesians. Listen to Ephesians 5 verse 6. It says, says, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God. We don't especially like that, but listen over to Colossians chapter 3 verse 6. It says on account of these, what are these? Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, covetousness, etc. It says on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And then if you turn over one more page to First Thessalonians chapter one verse ten, it says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In fact, Ephesians two, three through five tells us that that all of us uh, are dead in our transgressions and sins, and that we are like children of wrath. But God, because of his great love with which he loved us, makes us alive together in Christ Jesus. Now, the scripture is clear. There is a judgment coming. But the reality is, for most of us, most of the time, that is not on our radar. I mean, most of the time as we parent our kids and as we live our life, we are so busy and there are so many things coming at us from so many directions. Almost the last thing we think about is that there's a wrath to come. But the reality is, little Johnny and little Judy and you and me, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Everybody exists for eternity somewhere. And, and so, so the wise parent is sensitive 
to God's warning is that there's a wrath to come. And we need to prepare our kids for it. Now, here's the, here's the, this is kind of the beautiful thing, but it's kind of the scary thing. You're not responsible to save your kids. You're not responsible to save your grandkids or your great-grandkids. In fact, you can't save your kids and you can't save your great-grandkids or your grandkids or your husband or your wife. You can't do that. But what you can do and what I can do is we can be sensitive to what God's Word says and we can prepare. See, Noah, Noah was sensitive to God's warning. And he acted. Notice secondly, not only did he act being sensitive to God's warning, but he was, he was submissive, if you will, to God's will. The second phrase or the second part of that sentence says that in reverent fear, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark. Or he prepared, maybe, is what your translation says. Let's talk about that, that idea of reverent fear. Because that's where this whole issue of of being submitted to God. And here's what, when the scripture uses, uses the word fear and reverent together, here's what that's saying. Primarily, it's not talking about, um, that Noah was afraid of God. Although some of that is in there, but but the, the, the emphasis is not that Noah was afraid of God. The emphasis was that Noah was in awe of God. And because he was in awe of God, he acted for God. Now that's not to say that there shouldn't be an element of fear in our relationship to God. And the reason I say that is we need enough fear to understand that if we, if we disobey there's going to be consequences and discipline. We'll see that in chapter 12. Those whom he loves, he disciplines. I mean, think about this as a parent. You, you don't want your kids to be afraid of you. But you want them to have enough fear of you that when you give them instructions, they obey. And so you want enough fear that they'll know, hey, if I don't do what I'm supposed to, there's going to be some consequences. Little Johnny needs to know that there is a whipping available if he needs it. Because sometimes he'll ask for it. Sometimes little Jenny or Judy or I won't say the name of mine, but sometimes they ask. And sometimes they are very, they persistently ask you for discipline. And, there need, and so we have, to, we have to give it to them. Why? Because there needs to be enough fear that there, listen, there's some consequences for disobedience. Now, now, why do we do that? Because ultimately, listen, ultimately we want to protect them, right? The, the reason you want to, want to do what you tell them is because you got their best interest in mind. And, and the reason we need to have some element of that fear for God is that when God gives you instructions, when He gives me instructions, He's got our best interest in mind. So, some fear in terms of afraid, but primarily, Noah wasn't afraid of God. Noah was in awe of God. And that's why, that's why he was willing to build a boat expecting a rain that he had never seen. That's why he was willing to build this giant ship. Now we're not talking, listen, we're not talking about a bass boat or a canoe in the backyard. We're talking about a ship 450 feet long, some 75 foot tall, and I think about a, about a buck 50 wide. I mean, this thing was huge. Huge. 
Now, why was he willing to do that? Because he was in awe of God. He was in awe. Parents, are we? Are you and me? Do, do we live our life in awe of the one who spoke the universe into existence? Do, do, do we live our, do we function, uh, you know, just really in, in awe of the presence of God? And, and so wise parents, first of all, we're submissive to God's will. Or, or, or second of all, we're submissive to God's will. First of all, we're sensitive to God's, to God's warning. But, but, there's a, but there's a third part. Listen, if we live in reverent fear, listen, here's what reverent fear does. Reverent fear leads to reasonable action. See, you might say, well, that was unreasonable to build an ark. No, it's not unreasonable to build an ark if you worship a God who speaks. Now, the world, the world thought it was unreasonable. I mean, can I just tell you? The world thought Noah was an idiot. I mean, I bet they called him Nutty Noah. I bet that was his nickname. I mean, imagine, you're, 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 you're walking through the neighborhood, and, you know, it's not a neighborhood like ours because everybody probably had acres and acres and acres. But you come by Noah's, and here's this big ship. You go, what? What in the? What is that? And you go up and you have a conversation. You say, man, what are you doing? Well, I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat? Well, the judgments come. Well, what? What do you mean judgments come? Yeah, God said He's gonna He's gonna send rain on the earth. Well, what's rain? What? It, it, and so you go through all this, and you go away. And you go, man, this guy is a lunatic. Why in the world is he doing that? Can I tell you why? Because he believed that what God said was going to happen. It was going to happen. That's why it says by faith. By faith. Remember the definition of faith. Look up in verse 1. What what does it say? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Can I just say this? If you and I decide to parent that way, if we decide to parent our kids based on on what the Scripture says is going to come one day and we begin to shift our priorities away from what the world says is important and shift our priorities to what God says is important, do you know there's there's going to be some people that are going to look at you and go, what are you thinking? Why are you doing that? Because we're sensitive to His warning and we're submissive to His will. But third, real quickly... The third action that you and I need to take, and, and that is wise parents are strategic in their work. They're strategic in their work. Look again at verse 7. It says in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. He had a priority. Somehow or another, Noah heard from God. Somehow or another, under the inspiration of God, Noah decided that he wanted his boys to be saved. And so he did what he could to make that happen. And it was reflected in how he spent his money. It was reflected in how he spent his time. Again, scholars debate. I heard some guy say, said he thought it was 60 to 80 years. I've heard other people say that he could have been building this thing for as much as 120 years. But, but just imagine, man, you know, all of his time and all of his money and all of his effort goes into this project of building this art for the saving of his household. You know what that tells me? What that tells me is that, that that if we want to produce something out here, 
We need to develop a system back here. Some of you work in manufacturing. What man, when manufacturers determine what their product is, whatever they want to produce, they have a system, and their system is perfectly designed to produce whatever that product is. That's, what, that's the way it is. Now, what, here's a question you need to ask yourself. What is, what is it that I'm trying to produce in my family? What is it that you're trying to produce? When you look at your children and when you look at your kids, what is it, not what do you want them to do, but what is it that you want them to be. Because whatever you want them to be and to become, you gotta decide back here, okay, here, here's what'll, here's what'll make that. See, if you, if you're trying to produce an athlete, man, you're gonna, you're gonna have a whole bunch of, you know, there's gonna be a whole bunch of, of physical fitness and there's gonna be a whole bunch of training and there's gonna be a whole bunch of practicing and, and a whole bunch of, uh, you know, lessons and other stuff. If you're trying to produce a musician, then there's going to be, a, you know, you're going to have all kind of piano lessons or, or clarinet lessons or guitar lessons or whatever, you know, and then there's going to be a lot of time. If you're trying to produce a scholar, man, you're going to, you're going to do the extra tutor and you, they're going to be taking some extra time. I mean, so, so here's the thing. Whatever you want to have out here, you, you, there's just some things that you've got to do back here and, and you got to start here. And so, and so you need to ask yourself a question. What are you trying to produce? You're trying to produce an athlete? trying to produce a, a scholar? Are you trying to produce a, 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 a musician? Maybe a, a, maybe a financier? Maybe you're looking for a retirement plan and you're thinking, well, I don't have anything, so I'm going I'm to produce me a producer, okay? Or maybe an entrepreneur. Well, whatever it is. And so my question is, are you trying to get an athlete? Trying to get a scholar? Trying to get a musician? Trying to get a financier? Trying, trying to get an entrepreneur? Uh, trying to get a, a leader? Or you're trying to get a fully devoted follower of Jesus. What is it that you're trying to produce in your house and in your home? Now, I know the Sunday school answer is, oh, I want a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Be careful before you answer. Because the way you spend your money, in the way you uh, schedule your calendar, in the way you invest your gifts and talent, that, that tells you what you're trying to produce. And I believe God's called us to produce fully devoted followers of Jesus. That won't happen unless you manage what you do back here. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not down on athletics. I'm not down on scholarship. I'm not down on musicians and music and the band. Or I'm not down on leadership. I'm not down on FFA and 4-H and judging teams and showing up. Listen, that, that's all good stuff. I mean, you, you can do all that. But the question, if you do all that, what are you doing to produce a follower, a sold-out follower of Jesus? Because here's what I know. We like our kids to be successful, and we like our kids to be rewarded, and we like our kids to be honored. We, we want to, listen, we want to be at the trophy presentation because we hope they win the tournament. We, we wanna, you know, we wanna get the report card because we hope they get the grades. You know, we, we want that. I mean, we, we go to the show and, and, and we do, we do all the things we do because we want them to be successful. I mean, let's be honest. The reason you're, listen, the reason some of you are willing to go to work smelling like a goat or a pig because you go to the show barn early in the morning, the reason you're willing to get up at the crack of dawn and take them to practice, the reason we're willing to drive all over to this event is because what we want for them is we want them to be successful.
We want them to win, and, and, and well, we should. And, and, and that's okay. But, but here's what happened to me on, on Monday. I'm sitting down thinking about this thing on Monday, and I, and I thought about this because we've gotten an email before or, or a call before, and the teacher said, hey, awards day's coming up, and, and you probably want to be there. And you're thinking, well, you know, I know they're not getting perfect attendance because we skipped school a couple of days and went to grandma. So, so that, they must be getting an award. And so when you get that call, what do you do? Well, you, you, you make an effort to be there because they're going to be awarded. But here's what I thought about. I thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, I, and, and, I, and then I thought about 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's mom and dad, listen, listen. Listen to what, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. Let me pick up in verse 11. It says, for, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation of God, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but is only through fire. And then listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must, listen, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, here's what I thought about. And here's what I want you to think about today. We want to, we want to be there. We want our kid to be there at the trophy presentation. We, we, want, our, we want to get the call before awards day. We, we want our sweet little boy or little girl to get the scholarship or whatever. We want that to happen. Nothing wrong with that. But, but here's what I want to ask you. On, on that day, when we all stand before God, when all of us stand at the judgment seat of Christ, as a parent, don't you want your kid to get that trophy? Because see, here's what I know. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a day when the batting average and the grade point average and the winning percentage and the annual salary and, and everything, there's going to be a day when none of that is relevant. There's going to be a day when the one thing that matters is what did my boy, what did my girl do with Jesus? We know that day is going to come. And what I want to say to us as parents today, let's think most about that day. I'm not saying we, we shouldn't do athletics I'm not saying we shouldn't do band. I'm not saying we shouldn't do scholastics. And I'm all for showing. And I love FFA judging. And I love all this stuff. And I, you know, I'm not saying don't do that. But what I am saying is there's a day when little or none of that matters. And what's going to matter is what little Johnny and what little Judy does with Jesus. Now, as a parent, you can't save them. As a parent, I can't save them. 
We can't even equip them. But what we can do is what Noah did. Noah built an ark and he led his boys to walk in. You and I, we can build an ark. We can build a a house of safety and we can lead our kids to walk in. Now, I know you're thinking, but what a world we live in. There are so many distractions. There is so much stuff. Can I just tell you? Noah lived in a world that was sinful. Noah lived in a world, we didn't even look at this. Noah lived in a world that was self-absorbed. Did you know Jesus said that, uh, that, that when the Son of Man comes, it'll be like the time of Noah. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage. You know what they were doing? They were just busy. How many of you ate this morning? Nothing wrong with eating. How many of you drank something this morning? I've had about three, four cups of coffee already. You see, we eat and drink. How many of you are married? How many of us are married? So probably a third of us, maybe half of us. How many of you have gave somebody in marriage? Yeah. You know, not me. I'm not raising my hand. I, I've been there. See, see, we eat, drink, and, and marry and give in a marriage. Jesus, ta- he's not talking about bad stuff. He's talking about a busy, self-absorbed life. And Jesus said in the time of Noah, they were so busy living, they, they lost sight of the warning. And I believe what he would say to you and me as moms and dads and as parents is, is listen, don't get so busy with the here and now that we lose sight of the there and then. Here's what I know about Noah. Noah had a plan. He built a boat. He led his sons onto the boat because he had a plan. And my question for you as a parent, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Because if you want to produce something out there, you got to have a plan back here. So what's your plan to prepare little Johnny and little Judy for eternity? Let's pray together. Father, uh, as we contemplate, this is a heavy message. I mean, let's be realistic. You know, uh, on Mother's Day, it, it, it would be great to talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. And, and, and it's heavy to talk about preparing our kids for forever, but the reality is our children are going to exist forever somewhere. We're going to exist forever somewhere. And and what we do with Jesus, what what anybody does with Jesus, it determines where they spend eternity. In fact, God, not only does Jesus determine where we spend eternity, but how we live for Him determines how we spend eternity. And God, my hope and my prayer for every family is that we have a plan to prepare our little ones for eternity. That we we have an ark of safety 
where they have every opportunity to come to know Jesus and live for Him. And so, Father, this morning, I, I, I don't, and, and I pray, I don't want any mom or any dad to feel beat up. I don't want them to feel like I'm banging on, on what they like and what they enjoy. God, what I want is, is, is I want to encourage families to make sure we do the most important thing. Lord, it's okay to do the good things, but but not if the good things is the enemy of the best. And, and so I pray that every family, that every mom, that every dad would decide today, we're, we're, we're going to have a plan to prepare our kids for eternity. And so God, would you encourage them? God, would you strengthen them? Each family, each parent, each mom, each dad each grandparent would you give them courage and boldness to do what you called them to do we trust you Father to do that and we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise Lord for all you do and we pray now in Jesus name Amen Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers to come we're going to receive the offering and as they're making their way up here let me just say this uh you know, a message like this stirs some things up, and, and maybe if as a family you, you don't, you haven't really thought about a plan, we would love to, to work with you. The reason we do children's ministry and the reason we do student ministry and the reason we do adult group ministry is we want to partner with you in planning for the future. And so let us help you. We, we, we don't have all the answers, but we're on the journey, and we'd love to partner with you. And so feel free to call us, see us following the service, shoot us an email. Uh, We're all in it together, but we need a plan to get them where we're going to need to be.